This is the Ed Milet Show. Welcome back to Max Out, everybody. It's Ed Milet. I'm so excited about today's show because we're going to talk about all kinds of different stuff, but primarily today, we're going to focus on your health, on your wellness, on you getting lean and clean. And the man to my right looks very familiar to you. For those of you that are watching this on the YouTube version, he's a New York Times bestselling author of like a bazillion different books. <laughs> and um, if our off-camera conversation is, if our on-camera conversation is anywhere near as good as the uh, off-camera, today's gonna be magic. So this is Dr. Ian Smith. Thank Thanks, you for man. being here. I appreciate you having me. It's gonna be, it's gonna be <laughs> awesome. So we could go everywhere. Anywhere you want. Because you've written about so many different things. His newest book, by the way, is Clean and Lean. And I got to tell you, I probably the number one question that I'm getting asked from my audience regularly is, "What do I know about intermittent fasting?" Okay, which is absolutely nothing. And so, you know, me, guys are asking you that. Why? Yeah. Because how good you look. Oh, thank you. No, 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 no. Seriously, is, thank you. You're you're a very fit. I looked at your. You're a very mm -hmm. fit looking guy, mm -hmm. and people know that IF is something that people who are into fitness that they know that kind of stuff. They're just they're assuming that you know, and it's not difficult to explain right now. But you look like a guy who would be a master of that kind of concept. Thank you, and I'm not, and by the way, this is coming, if we're on YouTube, this is a 50-year-old man. <laughs> Probably the most shocking thing was that, I swear, I'm looking at your stuff, I'm like, he's 50? Yeah. I look 20 years older than this man. Blacks on crack. Is, is that what it is? <laughs> yes, no, I don't have any of that going for me, unfortunately. <laughs> so, I'm assuming some of it though is because, because you're such a fascinating man from where you grew up to your education, and we're gonna go there in a little bit, but if I don't get to intermittent fasting first, people are okay. gonna really frustrate with me. So, tell me a little bit about it. There's really two types also from yeah. what I was reading, right? Yeah. What can you tell us about it? Let's say what intermittent fasting is. Okay. It's not starvation. Okay. People see the word fasting and they think that it's, they're not going to eat for a long time. Right. It's intermittent, which means on and off fasting. So on and off eating. So basically you have two windows. You have a feeding window or an eating window. You will eat from this hour to this hour, all of your meals and snacks, and that's the only time you'll eat. Then you have what's called your fasting window. Okay. And this is why intermittent fasting works for a lot of things it works for. It works because your, your body needs energy all day while you're sleeping, while you're talking, taking a shower, whatever, having sex. You need energy, okay? okay. Your body typically will get the energy from the food that you eat, the calories. Okay. And your body stores calories in the form of glycogen, which is a glucose storage form, and fat. Okay. Fat is a storage form of energy. So when your body needs energy, it takes it from those calories you just ate or you ate a couple hours ago or it takes it from your stores. Okay. If you aren't taking in fresh calories, your body still needs energy. So it says, where am I gonna go to get this energy? Well, the first thing it does, it goes into your liver and your muscles and takes out the glycogen. So it depletes those stores, the inventory, it, it knocks them all out. Okay. Now where do you go? You go to your fat. Mm. The body breaks down the fat, mm. converts it to energy, and then you use it to do what you have to do. Now you don't know this is happening, by the way, this is happening obviously microscopically, internally, yeah. but this is, this is what fasting does. Fasting yeah. drives your body away from food energy into fat energy, melts the fat per se, and then you use it. Okay. So, intermittent fasting has to work in the sense of you have to be very rigid about your times. All and right. this is what I mean. If you have a feeding window, you have to stick to it. If you extend your feeding window into your fasting window, you're gonna interrupt that fasting period. It's during that fasting period, during that period where you don't have energy, that your body's driving to your fat stores. Okay. Now, people say, well, what can I have during my fast? In, in my way, you can only have about 25 to 50 calories of a beverage, so maybe coffee. 
If you want to have some coffee or black some coffee. black coffee or yeah. some herbal tea, okay. if the calorie count goes above about 50 calories, then you're going to switch mm. from burning fat to go into the calories you're consuming. Wow. And we want to keep the body, the switch, we want to keep it into the fat direction. Okay. And that's why you don't what's called break the fast. Okay. So in my programs, and the last one, Clean and Lean, it's about clean eating with intermittent fasting. Yep. So how would you do it? Let's say, for example, you want to do a 12-hour fasting window. Okay. That means you're going to eat for 12 hours and fast for 12 hours. First, by the way, 12 hours is a long time to eat. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of time. Mm -hmm. you know. So do you believe it's a long time not to eat or a long time to eat? I think it's a long time to eat, okay. 12 hours. Because okay. right? you could be sleeping potentially eight of the other 12. See, now there you go. So okay. you, you got it already. Okay. So, People say, but 12-hour fasting, guess what? If you slept for about eight hours, mm -hmm. that means just two hours before mm -hmm. and two hours afterward okay. that you're not eating. Okay. It's four hours, really. Okay. Now, this is what you would do. This is what I think is the easiest way to do it. If you get up at, 10 at 8 o'clock in the morning, don't start eating till 10. Do everything you normally do from 8 to 10. At 10 o'clock, start your feeding window. Okay. From 10 o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock at night could be your... Eating, feeding window, yes. your eating window, yes. okay? And then at 10 at night, you fast. Okay. Wrap around, that's a 12-12 window. Okay. You can burn a lot of fat okay. in that 12-hour fasting window. Do you, we're gonna, go to, we're gonna go to lean in a minute. Yeah. The reason, the reason is this, what's unique about your book, one is the detailed explanation of why intermittent fasting works, but most of my friends who do intermittent fasting are like, it's great because once I'm in that feeding window, I can eat all the crap I want to eat. <laughs> I love That's that. what most people say, right? Like and I've had friends who have lost weight doing it that way, but you've sort of combined clean eating with the fasting. This is really important because people, people do say to me often, you must eat really clean. And I, I usually respond, yeah, but I'm not really, I'm not really sure that I know what clean, the clean part of that means. So what is, and I, I want to stay on the fasting, but I honestly am just curious about this. Like, what by definition is clean eating for you? Yes, clean eating means reducing the amount of processed foods or ingredients that you're consuming. It doesn't necessarily mean total elimination. It's okay. difficult to not eat anything processed for a long period of time, right? Yeah. You can go a couple days, but it's almost very difficult. But processed ingredients, things that have been processed by manufacturers that started like this, and they add synthetic chemicals, preservatives, all these additives into the food, and you see this on the shelf. Mm -hmm. This process here, this thing here is called processing the food. And then you see the finished product. Things like, uh, you know, chips or, you know, um, Pop-Tarts. All these things mm. that do not look like how they came out of the ground or off the tree or walking around in the pasture, right? Okay. Now, to some degree, you're gonna have to do some processing, but it's the addition of all these synthetic chemicals. And by the way, I wish we had like a, a package of something to look at. Mm. You turn the back of a label of, of a food yeah. uh, item, package item, and read what's in there. Okay. If it has more than five to seven ingredients, okay. it is highly unlikely that it's, it's a clean food. Okay, so five to seven five ingredients to seven. is probably processed. Probably pro there's, there's some processed in there. Mm. That's the way it is. Okay. Because, because you can't have like 15, you know, clean ingredients yeah. in one food. It just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Okay. All the other stuff is, you know, xanthan gum, blah, 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 blah. You, yeah. you name it, right? Things you can't pronounce, I don't even know what they are. Why is it bad for you though? I hear this all the time, like you don't want stuff with a bunch of preservatives in it. Why is that necessarily bad for your body? A couple things. First of all, it can, um, we think that it can have a, deleter uh, a deleterious effect on your hormones. 
okay? Mm. So these synthetic ingredients can disrupt your body's hormones okay. and throw your hormones in a state you know, of just mm. panic, actually. Okay. So that's one reason. Um, the other reason is that we believe that some of these synthetic um, sweeteners, for example, that some of these things actually can mess with your brain chemistries, okay. right? Artificial sweeteners are 100 to 200 times sweeter than regular cane sugar. Hmm. Sweeter. Hmm. And so what happens is when you consume these artificial sweeteners, you have this dopamine response in yeah. your brain, which is pleasure, yeah. right? It's, it's, a, it's yeah. the uh, pleasure reward pathway. So you eat all this sugar, your brain releases dopamine, the dopamine travels in your brain, it goes to your pleasure center and says, oh, I feel good. Mm. So you know what I'm gonna do? Again. I'm gonna get more, yeah, again. right? Because yeah. it's like Pavlov's dog, yes. right? So yes. we keep going, to, it's, a, it's a conditioned response, we keep going to it. So what happens is this, when you eat these synthetic sugars, particularly where I'm right now, when you eat these sugars, you crave more sugar. Okay. And more and more and more, and eventually you know what you're gonna do? Mm. You're gonna get regular cane sugar. Yeah. And you're gonna consume it like crazy. Do these, uh Thank you for this, by the way, for my own edification. But sure. So do these processed sugars have the same inflammatory effects in your body that you read about traditional sugars having? Great question. Yeah. Um, the answer is they're not 100% sure. Okay. So even though artificial sugars have been around for a very long time, and since, at least since I was a kid, I mean, my mother used to eat like sweet and low and all that stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. For, and so, so way before then, they have not done a lot of real good studies. Okay that really looks at the physiological impact. By, when I say physiological, I mean how the body operates internally. They haven't done really, really great, great studies. Okay. Some of it's political, by the way, because some people don't want you to do those studies, right? right? right okay, right, it's right. a big business, right? right? But some of it is just that researchers in general uh, kind of have not, they, they haven't gone hard into it yeah. to really to really look at it. Now more studies are coming out saying, ah, we have lab rat studies. Mm -hmm. You know, so we have you know, rat studies that show higher rates of, of cancer right. in some cases and right. things like that. But you know, then again, the argument against that is that what happens in the lab doesn't always transfer to human beings. Okay. We're much more complicated than the lab okay. animals. So we kind of extrapolate what could be happening in us. But most people would say, why take the risk, right? I mean, is it, is it do you think to some extent that, um, this is economically driven, meaning that I've had people tell me, I want you to correct it if it's not true. It's sort of more expensive to eat cleaner. Is that a fallacy? It's not a fallacy, but it's, it's not as expensive as people think it is. Okay. Right? So yeah. let me go back to the, to the sugar, for example. Yeah. So I believe that the economics help drive why manufacturers put all this junk into food. Mm. Because these the synthetic preservatives make the food more shelf stable. Yes. They can stay on the shelf longer yep. before they spoil, yep. and therefore a retailer can buy it and you can be on a Target shelf for six weeks, eight weeks, mm. and be okay yep. to give you know, mm. uh, customers time to buy it, and the, the retailer doesn't lose money. So yep. a big part of it is, is financial. The other part of it is that it's cheaper. Right. I mean, junk is cheaper, like, right. it's junk. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, like, excuse the expression, but a junky car yeah. is not gonna cost what it costs to buy a brand new Mercedes. Correct. Yeah. So manufacturers are putting junk into foods because it's cheaper to put junk into foods rather than keep the food whole mm -hmm. and to farm it in a, in a whole way, mm -hmm. organic way. It doesn't have to be organic, it's all another conversation, but to farm it in a way where you're not putting all these pesticides and antibiotics and hormones in it, it's more difficult. I never heard anybody talk about the hormone effect. That's that's, oh. that's really, really compelling. And I wonder, I look at, a, I'm not kidding, I do look at a dude like you and I'm like, 
I wonder if this guy's for his age got more growth hormone and testosterone <laughs> still in his body because he's eating cleaner. I don't know. I, well, I, I wonder. Well, it's but like you said, when you, people ask you if you eat clean, mm. I don't eat perfectly. Mm. In all of my books, the first thing I tell people is, I'm never going to ask you to eat perfectly. Yeah. Like, let's be realistic. Mm. I'm not perfect. Mm. I mean, I had fat burger yesterday. You did. I love fat burger. Me like, too. it's one of my joints. Me too. And so I'll have a burger. Now, do I have fat burger? I have it maybe once every couple months or whatever. Yeah. But I'm going to have it. I'm gonna have, when I go to New York, I'm gonna have a slice of pizza. Yeah. It's a New York slice. That's so good to hear, by the way. Like, I, I seriously, I think people need to hear that because I think I have this thing that I teach in my stuff too that if whatever you're going to begin to do is not something you can maintain, you know, someone hasn't worked out in two years, they're like, I'm gonna train for two and a half hours. I'm like, no, go for 30 minutes, get a workout in. Am I right? And so, so it's so important that you're hearing what, what uh, Dr. Smith is saying that. That it's it got to be something you can maintain. You can have a p- piece of pizza, right? You can have a piece of cake. It's, it's so, okay. I do too. I want everybody to know that. Yes. On my Instagram page, go to my Instagram page at Dr. Ian Smith. Spell the doctor out. I A N Smith. You'll see. I'll post pizza. I'll post like, for example, I'll post at the at the Chicago Bulls game. Mm. I'll have like a rainbow cake. <laughs> now, how often do I have it? The cake is this big. Right. But I'm gonna eat maybe. That's what I do. Yeah, like three or four, and I'm good. Yeah, that's exactly what I do. I don't deprive myself, I'm good. And I'll post it to let people know, listen, how can you live life? Right. People say, I don't eat carbs. What are you talking about? Of course you do. Of course you do. And and by the way, the number one fuel source for your brain is glucose, is carbs. Okay. You need carbs more than any macronutrient. Hmm. Fat, protein, carbs, you need carbs the most because it's fuel source for the body. Now, the issue is the right carbs. Okay. Right? So when people come to me and say, oh, I'm following a no-carb diet, I look at them so, like, right. why? Because you read it in People Magazine? So your energy level is zip all the time. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> right. What do marathon runners do the night before a marathon? Carb up. They carb exactly. up. Exactly. Right? Right. You need carbs. Yep. So, so my whole point is that I think that people have to have a better understanding. You know, when they're trying to do better, and people want to do better, by the way. Sure. One thing I was in a meeting yesterday, I said to the guy, I don't think people who make decisions at the top of the food chain, understand that the guys at the bottom, they really want to do better. Yes. Some of them don't know how to do better. So they true. may lack a little willpower. Mm. But but who says who says who walks around and says I want to be 400 pounds overweight and I you know I can't tie my shoes I can't walk up sets without getting winning nobody. Nobody. No one I, wants to live like that. I totally agree with you. Right. Now you said something on fat, so I got to ask you yeah. just and then your opinion on it. I got a couple more questions on it. Um, I'm curious because I get asked this one a lot too, like real opinion on someone who eats the keto type plan. Let's just hear it. I, I wanna know your, your opinion on it. No way. Okay. Keto is, first of all, not a new program. Okay. It's Atkins repackaged. Okay. This program's been around for a long time. The, the high protein, uh, high fat diet is as old as my mother. Okay. Right? Um, sorry, mom. Um, but it's old, <laughs> right. okay? And the thing is this. This is why keto works. Okay, I want people to understand this. Keto works almost similar to intermittent fasting. Keto works because instead of consuming carbs, which your body prefers, I just said, it's the number one fuel source for your body. Instead of consuming carbs, you consume fats. Fats are a form of energy. Mm -hmm. And so you eat high protein, high fat foods, you turn those fats that you eat and the fat already in your body, you turn it into something called a ketone body. Mm -hmm. That process is called Ketosis. ketosis. Taking fat to ketone is called ketosis. Ketone then becomes your energy source. Okay. okay. So does keto, uh, uh, keto work? Absolutely, it works. Mm. Is it sustainable? Absolutely not. Okay. Because in keto, 
you are making your body go into an artificial, artificial biochemical state. state. Mm. And the minute you eat off the keto plan, mm. you switch from ketosis to regular, and then all that weight comes back. Okay. So yeah. This is the cycle I see with most of these sort of eating plans or workout plans, if it's everyone, if it's anything, your business plan, your phone call plan, your your work habits, when you wake up, if it's not sustainable, it's not something you should be doing. That's, for me, anything that I'm approached with that's new that I'm gonna try to do mm -hmm. and implement in my life, has to be something that would be a lifestyle for me going forward, not some little window. It's not that I don't do little blitzes or fixes or different Everyone trainings, does. Yes. <laughs> but when it comes to my eating, this is something I know I'm going to be required to do the rest of my life. I want it to be something I can plan on doing forever. It's the 70-30 rule. Mm. If 70% of the time you can make good decisions, yeah. right? This is life in general. Yeah. If 70% of the time, and 30% of the time, ah, you know, it may not be the best decision. Mm. I mean, you don't want to be suicidal about a decision, sure. right? But if, if 70% of the time, you can make a decision that makes sense, that's well thought out, that's thorough. You're sitting down, you're at a restaurant, you sit there and you say, well, it's not the greatest restaurants, but they do have a salad, but I want some fries. Okay, mm. have a salad and some fries. Yeah. But don't do like fries and then, you know, a big, huge steak and then a big dessert that's 600, 700 calories. You know, you would think that people know what you're saying, but I'm going to tell you, I do exactly that. Like sometimes I'll go eat clean, mm -hmm. but I'll do that. I'm like, all right. I'm gonna eat these fries, but I'm gonna have a salad with it. Like I actually do. I kind of make a negotiation yeah, with myself. Yeah, that's, yeah, do you that's do that? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I do the same exact yeah, thing. Or, or if I know, for example, that like I like ribeyes. I mm, love ribeyes. And in fact, when I go do ribeyes, I get the most marbleized, which is fatty. Yeah. I get the most marbleized piece of meat, and because um, that's the best yeah. ribeye, right? Yeah. But I eat I, greens with it. That's what I do. Right, but I make sure I have good vegetables. Yes, Steamed vegetables with it. That's right? exactly so what kinda, I do. You know, I don't do a ribeye and fries. That's crazy, me too. People think I'm nuts. They're like, so you're eating this whole ribeye, but you won't get some mashed potatoes. I'm like, nope, I'm eating greens with it. I do the same thing. So prove this works, by the way. Do you still run, your Facebook group's still very prominent, right? Oh, yes, yes. So everyone, I just want you to hear this because I like data. Y'all know I'm a little bit nuts about this stuff, but like this isn't really um, up for debate. This isn't theory any longer. This is statistically, uh, mathematically been proven. So you have a Facebook group, I want them to be able to get in it and then tell them what's sort of like the average weight loss or transformation that's happening that you see in the first little window of time. Yeah, so, um, and let me just, let me give you some context. People say, what is good weight loss? Let's, let's discuss mm. that first, okay, if we okay. can. Good weight loss, if you could lose on average one to two pounds a week, mm. that is any real nutritionist would be like, oh my goodness, yes. that is wonderful. Mm -hmm. The problem is people are so habituated into thinking that you need to lose all this weight mm -hmm. in a month. Mm -hmm. Jeez, it took you three years to put on 30 pounds. You right. want to lose it in 30 days. Mm -hmm. That's unrealistic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's dangerous, by the way, for most people because the way they do it, not that losing weight so fast is necessarily dangerous, but it's how you do it. Okay. Lemonade diets, cayenne pepper, apple cider vinegar, you, you know, mm -hmm. no. So one to, three pound, one to two pounds a day, a, a, a week is a great weight loss now. In my program, I'll admit, it's rapid weight loss. Mm -hmm. So people typically lose in 30 days between 12 and 15 pounds. And by the way, I knew that, and these aren't people who are always 300 pounds. Oh, no. Sort of a 150 pound woman, 30 days, lost like 15 pounds, At right? 100%. Yeah. And let me tell you, but let me tell you why they're doing it. They're doing it because they are making lifestyle changes yeah. And they're not starving themselves. Mm -hmm. They're just eating food that don't have all those processed ingredients. Okay. They're not drinking as much uh, soda. Yes. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not neuroscience. You, you know, soda is, hor if there's one thing I could eliminate from diets, is soda. Even diet soda. 
diet soda. Okay. It's all junk. Okay. You're stuffing all this junk into your, the best machine ever built is our body. Yeah. And you're just killing it, right? Okay. And so people lose all that weight and they also get them moving. And like you said, I don't say go work out for two hours. Right. Take 30 minutes and guess what? Break the 30 minutes up. Mm. Do 15 in the morning, 15 at night. Mm -hmm. Because the minutes count, not how much you're in the gym, it counts that you're doing that, the, the exercise, the exertion of energy. Okay. People say, oh, I worked out for an hour today. Oh, you know. You spent 25 minutes on the phone or talking to other people in the gym. Yeah, right, you exactly. For an hour. I see this all the time. You see it all the time, yeah, right? Yep. I see guys in between sets. Mm. I'm like, and you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm very focused in the gym. Because first of all, I like to be efficient. Me too. I like to do my work and get out. I don't need it for social hour, no, right? Either. I'm not picking up girls or anything yeah. like that. Like, I'm in the gym to work out. So you'll see guys in between sets. They're like taking 10 minutes between sets. I know. What are these guys doing? I, know. I don't understand that. And by the way, that guy looks exactly the same the next year when I see him at the gym. There's been no change in their body at all. Like, dude, you come in here, you might as well hit it hard and get out of here. The idea is to change your body. You know what I'm you saying? The same, so right. It's the same thing. I was training a guy once and I said to the guy, um, so this guy that I've been working with, this older guy, we've been working for like six months. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, working with the gym. And there's another guy who we saw every single day that we went. So he probably, we didn't go every day, so he probably was there. Yes. And I said to the guy I was training, I said, Look at this guy. Mm -hmm. He's doing it all wrong. Mm -hmm. he, and, the, and even my client said, wow, mm -hmm. he looks the same he's looked for over right. a year. Yeah, right. he doesn't change. Yeah, and by the way, you become unconscious, guys, in what you're doing. Like, even as you're listening to this, maybe your workout needs some evolution and some mix-up. Maybe the way you're eating does need to change. Okay, two more questions on this, then I gotta ask you stuff that I'm like dying to ask you. Mm -hmm. So, um, is there an exception to this? Meaning, a lot of people that follow me are uh, I w some of them are bodybuilders. Yep. Some of them are, though, really intense about their training, really yes. intense about their um, their lifting, right? And so I'm wondering if you look excited to answer this question. Well, because you're asking all the questions that are really good questions. And I get these questions. Like you're yeah. asking the right questions, but, but go ahead. Yeah. Why don't you finish okay. the question? So later. is there an exception for someone who's a heavy trainer physically, let's just say with weights? 100% there is. Okay. And this is why, by the way. Okay. If you are a person who lifts a lot of free weights, resistance training, and you're trying to build muscle, hypertrophy, make your muscle larger versus lean muscle, mm -hmm. okay? If you're trying to build bulk muscle, then you need a lot of protein mm -hmm. and you need a lot of calories. Okay. You need to, because what people don't realize is this, and this is why I tell women to lift weights also, by the way, not to build big muscles, but muscles are the most metabolically active tissue in the body. By that I mean this, Muscles need to be fed, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And they're like a growing child. The mm -hmm. bigger your kid gets, the more they eat, the more they eat. That's what muscle is. The bigger your muscle is, the more you need to feed it. Okay. That means all the calories you're eating goes into your muscle. Okay. Why do men lose weight faster than women? Not because men work harder, not because they're better. They have more muscle mass. Got it. And so if you have a, a man and a woman who are both 175 pounds and they are eating the same thing, the man is going to lose weight faster okay. or not gain as much weight because a lot of his calories are going to feed his muscle. Okay. And the woman mostly has adipose tissue or fat. Okay. Now, that being said, so if you are a bodybuilder, a marathon runner, a vigorous exerciser, you need more calories. Mm -hmm. You need more protein. So in my programs, I will say, when people hit me on Instagram or Facebook and say, Dr. Ian, I do this, what should I do? I said, listen, you got it. You gotta Wonderful. eat more. You gotta increase about at least 30%. Wonderful. Because your demands are greater. Are greater. Okay. Now here's the other part of it. When you're doing intermittent fasting, it cuts you, right? Okay. It can cut you very well. So you gotta be careful. For those who are not bodybuilders, I say, do your workout 
during your fasting time, because th- let's think about this, right? Yeah. If fasting works because your body does not have calorie energy, uh, calorie energy, and your body needs energy, we're going to go into the fat stores even harder. Yeah. Because we have nothing, yeah. no risk of the energy. Yeah. So working out during your fasting window is a great way to really cut. Awesome advice. Right? Yes. Yeah. But if you are doing a two-hour workout, you're doing a huge hit workout, mm. don't do it then because you don't have enough energy okay. on board yep. to get through the workout. Yep. You could okay. hurt yourself. This is so good. So, and by the way, I'm a big fasted cardio person too, but I am going to go through this phase of, of uh, adjusting. I can very easily not eat the last two hours before I go to bed at night. That's not a challenge. It's, and, not, a it's cha- not a challenge to wait a couple hours when I wake up. And me. that's why I say start that way. Yeah. People who are a little nervous, mm-hmm. this is what you do. And, and my programs on Instagram, so if you if you follow me on Instagram, I do all these challenges, like a seven-day soup challenge, three-day weekend challenge. So if you follow me, I'll say to you, do not eat your last meal within two hours of going to sleep. Okay. Okay. Two hours. Okay. Because from the time, let's say you go to sleep at 10. Mm-hmm. After 8 o'clock, we're not going to eat. Because all those calories you just put in for dinner, we need to give our body enough time to burn mm-hmm. as many of them sure. off before we lay down. Because yep. when you lay down, your, your metabolic rate drops to almost nothing, okay. relatively speaking. Yeah. And so all those calories have to go somewhere. Okay. Where do excess calories go that you don't burn? Fat. They become fat. Right, right. So yeah. people, people are messing themselves up. Okay. They do pretty well during the day. Yep. And they then blow they, it the last two hours. Or they yeah. eat a huge meal. Yeah. You know, okay. you like you eat like a fifteen hundred calorie dinner, okay. and then you're asleep an hour and a half. You got fifteen hundred calories. Plus, you're, you're also digesting that food, right? Absolutely. While you're sleeping. Yeah, yeah. So your body, what am I going to do with this stuff? Okay. Because Newton said energy can neither be created nor destroyed. Very good. It's got to go somewhere. So your body says, "Okay, we got it. We turn into fat." This is so good. All right, real quick, last thing. <laughs> okay. On that water, okay. which you're about to drink. Yes. Perfect. Like I don't know how you knew I was going to do that. <laughs> how important is drinking water? in one's nutrition. I find, like a lot of people say, hey, I lost seven pounds the first week on whatever. I'm like, you dehydrated yourself. You lost five pounds of, or six pounds of water, right? And one pound of fat. So, so how important, I just wanna make sure that people know they need to be hydrated and how you feel about that. So, uh, so this is a quick story. When I was in med school, um, I asked uh, our kidney uh, professor, physiology. So he, this guy was an expert, he wrote the book. Uh, Heinz Valton. Okay. Uh, he wrote the book on how the kidney works. And I said to him, Dr. Valton, how many glasses of water are you really supposed to drink? Mm-hmm. He says, Smith, I'm going to tell you something. He said, um, the number eight glasses was made up. I was like, what? He's like, yes, that number was made up. We didn't know that it was really eight. Someone just said, you should drink eight <laughs> glasses of water a day. Really? Okay. Then they backed into the number. And okay. what they realized is the amount of water you should drink is the amount to replace your water loss during the day. Okay. The average person probably loses, but average, not someone who's training a lot, the average person probably loses between six to eight glasses worth, uh, cups worth, eight ounces uh, per cup okay. of water a day. Okay. So you gotta replace that. Your body is 70% water, okay. at least. And what people don't realize is just because you're not sweating doesn't mean you're not losing water. Right. Okay. You lose water when you're breathing, it comes to your skin, you don't realize it, you obviously eliminate it, you know, you yes. urinate it. So you're losing water all day long, by the way. Okay. And so people are dehydrated and don't realize it. Okay. So I say the average person probably needs between six and eight, six and nine cups of water okay. a day. Okay. The more active you are, the more water you need. And by the way, here's a trick to lose weight with water. On all my programs, I say, um, wow. before eating a meal, you have to drink eight ounces of water before you take the first bite. Okay. Why is that? More full. That's right. Oh, that's brilliant. Your stomach works on expansion. 
So your stomach has, your stomach is like this, collapsed when there's nothing in it. And inside the wall of your stomach are stretch receptors. And those receptors send a signal to your brain when they get really stretched. So if you start, like my fists are closed here, if you start like this and you consume some water, you're like this. You have less room now for the stomach to expand with food because you've taken some up with water. Very good. So a quick tip is before Very every good. meal, right? Yes. Drink one cup of water. I love this. <laughs> All right. By the way, I've done a lot of shows. I guarantee you the most detailed, most note-taking, most tactical stuff we've covered so far. I guarantee you that. <laughs> so now we get to indulge me because I'm just fascinated by this. Okay. I'm not as educated a man as you are. Stop. So there's Harvard and Dartmouth on this man's resume. And um, he has a book, so he's written so many bestsellers, but I think The Ancient Nine is the most unique one. So guys, I just feel like this is such a peek into a world that I never got access to that probably the vast majority of people have not. But um, can you tell us about, it's a novel, by the way, Yes. and I love this. So tell us a little bit about The Ancient Nine. This is almost like learning about, I guess I would call it almost like a secret society to some extent. It is. uh, And you encountered at Harvard. So tell us about The Ancient Nine, the book, and then what all that world is about, if you could. This is going to be, guys, this is something you've never heard before, (laughs) most of you. Real fast. So um, I went to Harvard undergrad. Mm. I'm a kid from the other side of the tracks. I didn't grow up with wealth. We didn't have any money. I wasn't a legacy, which means I didn't have people who had gone to Harvard. You know, I came from a working class family. So, uh, but I was a very smart kid and I worked very hard. You know, kids who are, who keep their head on straight, who are poor, they're hungry. Yes. You know, I was a poor kid. I was hungry to do better. Mm. And I knew as a kid, the best way to get ahead was to do well in school. Mm. That was my out, you know. Your parents emphasize that? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So I always say we were not rich in materials. We were rich in love and education. Because hmm. my mother, I didn't have a dad, just my mother. My mother would say, okay, you got to do well in school. And I was a great sportsman too. So I did both. Played sports and I did well in school. And I was very competitive. Anyway, I get into Harvard. My brother and I have a twin brother. We get into Harvard. And both of you got into Harvard. Both of us got in. From a single mother. Single mother. Awesome. Working wow. class mom. Yeah. Uh-oh. I don't know if you can do that these days. It's so hard. But anyway. Spectacular. Well, um, I you did it. Wow. Yeah. I, I credit her. But um, so we get into Harvard. Uh, we go to the school that is just, you know, the who's who, yeah. the family names, Kennedys, yeah. you know, kings and queens and whatever. So uh, we go to the school, and what happened was, I didn't know anything about Harvard. Like, I didn't know, like, the history of Harvard. Jeez, I was mm. a basketball player, you know, mm. was from a small town in Connecticut. Get to Harvard, and one night, um, I, one morning I wake up, and someone has slipped under my door an envelope with my name on it and the room number on it. There's no stamp, there's no return address. So I'm like, I at first thought it was, at Harvard, a lot of like these organizations, like the acapella singers and all these different groups. Okay. It just feels one of these like, you yeah. know, nerdy kind of groups that, yeah. you know, so I didn't even pay attention to it. <laughs> I didn't even open it. Okay. So I put it on my, like, on my table, whatever, in the, in the, in the common room, went about my business. And then one day after dinner, I came home, I was about to throw away, I just opened it up. And it said, the president and members of the Delphi Club cordially invite you to a cocktail party, had the address, uh, and call with regrets and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, what is a cocktail party? I had no idea what a cocktail party was. <laughs> okay. my, my people didn't go to cocktail parties. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this okay, this, awesome. this must be one of these organizations, that these really snooty, yeah. highfalutin organizations. One thing I noticed about like rich kids, uh, and I'm not teasing, if you're rich, I'm not teasing you, but mm. rich kids kind of like, they imitate their parents. Mm. Like they're, they're more advanced, like they act like, you know, older. True. <laughs> right? I mean, you I know, agree with they you. do everything faster than the average kid. Sure. So, 
I know the cocktail party was, so I put the, put the, uh, the envelope to the side of the invite. I'm in basketball practice one night. We're in the locker room. And we're taking a shower, the guys are talking, and, the, and they're like talking about these clubs. And they're saying, the upperclassmen, they're saying, yeah. I was only a sophomore, but the juniors and seniors said, yeah, it's punch season. So I'm listening to these guys, like, yeah, the clubs are starting to invite people to potentially join their clubs. You know and nothing about this part. Nothing. Wow. Zero. Okay. And so um, I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. And then someone mentioned the name. They said Delphic. And I knew that was the name and that invite I had in my room. Okay. So I race home on my bike and I opened this thing up and I had been invited to the secret society. To, it, it's, it's called punching, that's the name they use. And, and for, uh, for sororities and fraternities, they say uh, rushing. Yep. Or, you know, so they rush a fraternity or rush a sorority, mm -hmm. I guess. They call it punching. And so I got invited to this cocktail party. So I said, I'm gonna go to this thing. Yeah. I was a very curious guy. Yep. And so I went to this party and I gotta tell you something. It was like, I wrote in the book. I mean, the book is 80% true. It's based on me as this poor kid who gets invited mysteriously to, it's awesome. to join this thing. And I go to this cocktail party in this huge mansion in Cambridge. And, you know, these guys are in these starch blazers and gold buttons and, you know, Rolex watches and smoking cigars. I've never seen <laughs> This stuff is like a movie to me, yes, right? Yes, exactly. Um, it's to me. Yeah. So anyway, to, to end it, I end up, you, you got to go round to round to round. So there are events. First, there's a cocktail party. Then there's a dinner. And after each round, they cut the list. So they start about 125 guys, and then the members will cut the list to 75, cut it to 50, cut it to blah, blah, until you get to about 20, 15 to 20 guys who they, at the end, invite to actually join the secret society. And uh, dude, I, they asked me to join. And to this day, I cannot tell you why they would ask a poor kid mm. who had no connections, didn't go to prep school, and they asked me to join. And it was just a great experience. And so I got inside. I don't want to ruin the, yes. the book for people to read it or listen to it. The audio is great, by the way. The guy who reads it is great. But I want people to, to read. You, I become your eyes to go into this very clandestine, very upper crust world of guys who are billionaires and these yes. kids who are flying around. It's more common now, but back in the day, Kid, these people had private planes. Yep. I didn't know what a private plane was back in the mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. I was such a regular, yes. you know, sometimes ignorance really is bliss. I was, luckily, I didn't know all this stuff. I, I just think that, by the way, I want everyone to read the book. It's, it is literally like a movie, except it's real. It got it, option, by the way, to be a movie. Yeah, it should be. It got be. option to be a movie, so knock on wood. It should be. Yeah. And guys, you could get the movie now. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not promoting the book. I'm promoting the book and the audio book. Like, you all should hear this. And even... Like for me, because I wasn't in that world, it's almost like there kind of is an Illuminati of sorts, right? <laughs> you know, I learned, this is what I learned about, about this world, that, that the network, let me back up for a second, the have and have nots. Mm -hmm. I grew up a have not, Yeah. okay? And I still have the sentimentality of a have not. Mm -hmm. I've been very successful, God has blessed me, I'm very appreciative for that, but I'm also very humbled that I'm just, mm -hmm. a, I'm small compared to the universe. What I learned is that the have-nots have a network and a way of operating that is so removed from the regular life and thinking of us regular mm -hmm. have-nots, the haves have this world, that we don't even know what they're really doing. Yeah. There's so many deals behind these closed doors. There's so many um, people picking up the phone and calling, you know, this guy's dad is the CEO of Morgan Stanley. Mm -hmm. And his son wants an internship. He doesn't mm -hmm. go the regular route. Yeah. He doesn't file an application, yeah. go to interviews. No, mm -hmm. the dad knows the CEO. They went to school together, they were in the club yep. together. Yep. It's just, you know, I'm not whining about it. 
because there are a lot of different networks in, in the world, but you, but you need to be aware that everything is not fair. I mean, you talk about the, the scandal with the, um, with the schools, mm -hmm. with Felicity Huffman and, yep. and, uh, and, and Lori Lockwood. I mean, you know, they operate in a different way. Yep. They just do. Yep. And I got in, my brother got in, because we just didn't know any other way to get in. You work yeah. hard, yes. right? You get in. Yeah. Um, and I just think that, you know, I always say to my friends, I said, this is where the haves have it wrong. The haves don't realize that the have-nots don't want mansions and cars and stuff. They just want to kind of lead a decent life. You're right. And you guys don't give them any room, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You guys hit them all the time. Yeah. You know, baggage fees. Mm. Do you think a baggage fee affects a millionaire? No. Right. But but for a person who's traveling with a family of four, and then they got to now pay twenty five to thirty bucks for a bag. You got it. That makes a big difference to these people. Huge difference. You a big difference? Gas taxes too. There's other ways to tax people than fuel, and that hits poor people. Uh, disproportionately in a huge way. A huge way. Where they run out of food at the end of the month because they're paying a tax on gasoline and things like that. So a year up, we think very, very, very similarly. I can already tell. Now, um, well, by the way, I want everybody to know one thing. You can get life momentum. And at different levels of life, life does get a momentum and collaborations do begin to happen, even how you and I met, right? Mm -hmm. It's not some secret society. That's right. But we are connected with some very similar That's people right. and it makes life... Getting it off the ground if you come from that place of have not is a very difficult place But there is hope when you get it going because of the collaborations and the meetings and different little organizations You will meet that will afford you progress in your life too. the two most important things to do that in my opinion mm. number one surround yourself with positive people yeah. yeah Positive people if you're surrounding yourself. I didn't say rich people. Yes, but people who are positive mm -hmm. who are optimistic who want to achieve in life Surround yourself with them because it's contagious. And the second thing is, above all else, you must always believe in yourself. Mm. Always mm. believe in yourself first. Because sometimes and often you're gonna face situations where no one believes in you. Right. And if you allow people's lack of belief in you to dissuade you from having belief in yourself, you can't accomplish. Did that never happen to you? I'm curious, let's be real. You, you grew up with a single mother, African-American. Yeah. Um, you're now getting into this world where it is not the norm mm -hmm. every single day. You're not mm -hmm. seeing, if you walk into a room of 300 people, there aren't 299 that look like you that come from where you come from. No way. So speak to people that relate to that for a second. Did you ever struggle with that? Or was there something your mother did or something internally you had? Your own confidence, your own, I just put a post out yesterday, one of my most responded to posts, and it was about when I started to make progress for me, and obviously I come from a different place than mm -hmm. you, but even me, when I got to that new room, that new place, me going, I don't know if I belong here. I would, I would have these thoughts like, maybe it's a fluke. Maybe I got lucky. Maybe they're gonna figure me out here. Mm. I still have that once in a while. They're gonna figure out who I am, right? And so I know if I had some of that, did you have any of that or did it just, or are you just wired differently? Never. Wow. I never, ever had a scintilla of thought that I didn't belong. You wanna know why? Because from a little kid, I believed my grandfather when he told me, if you work hard, you can succeed and win. I just believed it. I don't know what made me believe it, by the way. Since I was a little guy, I believed it. And so I always believed that if I did my work on time, I got A's, I didn't get in trouble, didn't mess with people, that good things would happen. And go to church on Sunday, good things were gonna happen to me. So, so when things started happening, I was very appreciative and respectful of it. But I never felt like I didn't deserve it because I felt like I worked for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really did. I mean, like, geez, my brother and I, 
they played basketball. We used to go wake up, and this is funny, we used to wake up in the morning and go to our high school and run hills at five in the morning mm. to get better. And then go so get 4-4 GPA, wherever the heck you were getting. And while, so while our classmates were sleeping. You were after it. Okay, we were after it. Four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning, up at the hills, we would see the milk guy come deliver the milk in the morning. It's just a true story. So I grew up in a way that the fire in me to succeed, because I was, I was accepted even at a young age, I used to talk to old people a lot when I was young. Me too. And they would tell me stories. Mm -hmm. And one thing I got from them was that life is really short. And they would always say, geez, I can't believe all these years have gone by so fast. They would always say that. Mm -hmm. And then I would listen to them say what they would do differently. Mm -hmm. And what I realized is one common thing was they would have been more present in the moment. God, that's true. So true. Present in the moment. You, um, but one of my top two or three favorite answers ever, because it was so honest. And I want to say something to you about it because I did have that struggle where I didn't think I belonged. And my way out, this is on hundreds of tapes and audios, mm -hmm. is verbatim what you just said that you had the whole time. I started to go, wait a minute, I'm doing things no one's willing to do right here. I'm outworking everybody. And what happened was my self-esteem changed because it was, became a self-worth thing. Self-confidence to me is the process of making and keeping promises to yourself. Oh, and I had this reputation right with me over time where I trusted me. And I felt more and more worthy of the rooms I was going into because I wasn't looking at who the other people were in the room. I was looking at me and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm doing everything that Absolutely. makes me belong in this room. And so you had it all along. I developed it as I got older. And I never allowed external validation to make me feel worthy, ever, mm. ever. If you didn't want me at your birthday party as a kid, guess what? Mm. I didn't want to be there. Mm. I didn't want to slide through the back door. If you don't want me there, if, if a girl doesn't want to go out with me, I don't want to go out with you either. I don't want to be in a situation where you, where I got to force myself on you or force a situation. I'm, no, I'm good. I'm good. I, I just feel like that has really, and it's helped me by the way, as I've gotten older and you know, listen, no successful person has not had tough sure. times and tough moments. We all go through, mm -hmm. right? The public doesn't always see it, yeah. but we all have our, our moments. And one thing that has kept me steady has been me believing in myself and realizing that I've worked hard and my validation is with me. Oh my gosh. And that, and that I set the highest standards for myself. Yeah. I do. No one has ever had to set a higher standard for me than me. Yeah, you're, spe you're special. I gotta say something, everybody. I'm gonna get one more question here. Um, everyone that's listening to this right now, please do your colleagues and friends and family a favor and make sure they know to listen to this from the very beginning to the very end because there's so much in here. I didn't know we were gonna go down this road at the end. Sorry. No, 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 you, you, I'm grateful because I want everybody to be doing that because you all know each other that are listening to the program. Tell them, I know you started out and they went through some unbelievable stuff on how to get healthier and then this stuff at the end is bananas. So this is one of these, you listen to the whole darn thing. Last thing I wanna ask you about, just because mm -hmm. I think it's cool. Mm -hmm. You got named uh, by President Obama. I want to give it the right name, Council of Fitness, Sports, and Nutrition. Yeah. Um, you've been, you're the medical contributor on all these different shows. I've watched you on GMA. I've watched you on the Rachel Ray Show, which you're part of. You were on The Doctors. You've been everywhere. I got to think, though, that was one of the coolest things that's happened for you. And did you get a chance at all to interact and work with him? And if you did, what was that like? Yeah. So, you know, the White House is an amazing place, by the way. Is it? It just is. It's the people. I've been house. there on the tour, but nah, I've been on the inside. part you went to. You know, I think that, I think that, because it's our house, we own it, all of us mm -hmm. own it. I think that we need to do a better job of giving people access, not just to the tour part. Mm. I mean, I don't know how to do it, maybe there's a lottery system, but some way people need to see the rooms where the work happens, mm. when work's not happening, like the Oval Office, sure. and going into the Roosevelt Room, 
and seeing like all the presidents and the pictures and the famous, it's just unbelievable. So to go into like the West Wing, you know, yeah. so the West Wing, to actually go into the actual West Wing uh, is really something special. I'm sure. Um, I love our country. Uh, I love our history, mm -hmm. you know, the good and bad of it, mm -hmm. right? Because no one's perfect. Mm -hmm. We've had some bad moments in our sure history, have. but I love our country. And I, I told you before, I travel a lot. Yeah. And every time I go away, I was just in Japan, every time I go away and learn about other cultures and countries, it makes me love my country even more. Mm. Not that I don't like these new places, I sure. love them too, but, but it makes me appreciate America more. But going into the White House and, and working with the president, uh, Obama was just, he's just an awesome dude, man. Forget politics, like as a man, mm. he was just a cool guy. Mm. You know, he had a swagger about him and sure. you know, we played ball. You did? Oh yeah, we played ball. I got this great picture uh, at my house where uh, he has his hand on my shoulder. The council is standing there like talking to him and Chris Paul, the basketball player is standing next to me and mm. the three of us are kind of in a moment. And I love that picture because it's very candid because, you know, they got these photographers that are always mm. going around and it's just a great moment. But this council was an honor because I got a chance to sit down with my heroes, like people like Billie Jean King, wow. Carl Edwards from NASCAR, the gymnast Dominique Dawes, Michelle Kwan, the skater, the Olympic skater, Grant Hill. It just what a great group. It's unbelievable. Mm. And to be able to sit at the table and you're like, geez, like mm. I'm at the table with these dudes. Mm -hmm. Like, like, mm. like I count, you know, but um, your life is remarkable. And it's just, you're, you're so young. Yeah, well, you're, you're as young as you feel. You're in the middle of it, so you don't have context for it yet. But I, there's got to be a little party. It happens for me once in a while, where I'll actually say something that actually really did happen. Maybe even when it was happening, I was like, and then I say, I'm like, wow, that was, wow. Well, well you know, I've got, I'm glad you say that, by the way. Mm. And we can close on this. Like, mm. I always say that um, I like to work in the trenches. Mm. I like to work. I like to work. I like to mm. make progress. That's just kind of how I'm wired that way. Mm. But every once in a while, I had to teach myself that you have to look up from the trench and see the landscape. Mm. Don't take a portrait view, take a landscape God. view and see kind of where you <laughs> so were, good. see where you can go. And that kind of guides you in life. And so for me, personally speaking, uh, when someone will say to me, like uh, someone was introducing me, I don't usually listen to my intro. I'm like, oh geez, why are they reading this bio? Like it was on and on. Yeah. But then I was like paying attention for some reason. and. Um, like the dude was like going over my stuff I've done. I was like, wow, I did all that stuff. <laughs> like I was like, honestly, I'm not being arrogant. But I was like, no, wow, no. that's pretty cool. Like, yeah. I don't think you're the least bit arrogant. No, but the, like, like I was like, wow, I, that's the kind of stuff I want to do. I actually did that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I worked three jobs when I was a young kid. Yeah. Like when I was young, out of med school, I was working for Time Magazine, mm. for NBC News, and in the hospital mm. as an intern. I did all three. Now I did that because I didn't know any better. Incredible. <laughs> right? Incredible. I was a young guy. It didn't make, it, I didn't need to sleep back then. Yeah. I was all over New York running and da, 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 changing mm. in the car like Superman, going to the hospital, going to Time Incredible. Magazine. But anyway, so I just think that, I want to say to people who are listening, I just think that people really have to find themselves, mm -hmm. right? And to um, think about, I just said to my mother driving here, I said, Ma, figure out how you want to live the rest of your life. Mm. Mm. Just figure that out. Figure mm. out what you, what's important to you. Yeah. You know, don't, we're so quick to do things because it's expected of us. You're right. It's expected. Mm. But no, don't do that. A lot mm. of times in my career, I cut across the grain. Mm. I stopped doing medicine for a while. Everyone said, what? Mm. What, are you crazy? I was doing orthopedic surgery. I stopped, I started doing TV. You're doing TV? Mm -hmm. All The best decisions I've made in my life are decisions that I thought through that I didn't allow others to overly influence. Wow. And I typically cut across the grain. I went in the direction that people said, you probably shouldn't go that what way. What great advice. Yeah, it's obviously. I mean, you've done it too, obviously. I have, but it's obviously worked. I, that, I just think it's the most incredible advice because I, 
I wish you would say some things I could challenge today, because typically <laughs> on the show I'll challenge something. <laughs> next time, I'll but uh, yeah, next time we'll go. We'll get a little more controversial. Yeah. But uh, first, of all, I want to say something to you. I want to yeah. say thank you on behalf of millions of people listening to this, because the idea of this show is to both teach people things that they didn't know before they started, they can tactically implement. Sure, absolutely. Change their thinking to some mm -hmm. extent, and then inspire them. Yeah. And like, we hit tens out of tens on all three of those things today. So I'm immensely grateful for the time today. Everybody, make sure that you're following Dr. Ian Smith on Instagram. At Dr. Ian Smith, spell the doctor out, I-A-N Smith. And um, if you want to join one of our challenges, we do it on Instagram, but also on Facebook. Okay. So um, they can email me, actually. Can I okay. get that out? Sure. My email is abychallenge, the numeral one, at gmail.com, a better you. abychallenge, the number one, at gmail.com, and I'll send you registration info on how you get into one of our challenges, but we have a lot of fun, and people make, people get the best results when they have support. Yeah, you know, I totally agree Let me tell you that. something. People are alone, and you don't realize how many people actually have your same problem. Yeah, so true. Right? I want you guys engaging with him. I just, I just thank you. That's all I can tell you. It was great, man. Thank you. I enjoyed it so much. We today. gotta do this again sometime. I would love to do that <laughs> okay. again. Your next book, we'll have you on. Okay, great. I would love that, which is coming out in, in April. April. Mind over weight. It's Mind. all about the mind. Okay, so we're, then we gotta have you on for that. Okay. So, all right, everybody. I know you enjoyed today's program. Reminder: every day on Instagram, the Max Out Two Minute Drill. I want to engage with you. I want to know what's going on with you. I want to be able to have the right guests, the right content. Dr. Smith was here today directly because of the feedback I get from you guys about you wanting to learn more about intermittent fasting, and I'm so glad we went down these other roads. Max Out Two Minute Drill means this. When I make a post every day on Instagram, which is usually 7.30 to 8 a.m. Pacific, 10.30 to 11-ish Eastern, you'll have an opportunity to make a comment on my post, and if you make that comment, or you comment on someone's comment on that within the first two to five minutes, we pick a winner every day. You get coaching calls with me, Ride on the Jet, my book, Max Out Gear calls with my guests, all kinds of cool stuff. And if you miss the first two to five minutes, as long as you just comment every day on every post, there's just five or six a week. If you just do that every single day and stay engaged with me, we pick a winner from that group as well. So I'd love to connect with you more deeply. God bless you and continue to max out. This is The Ed Marlin Show.